This week on Buffett the Gilmore Slayer. Blueberry is the least mature of the scones. We, everyone knows that. Hello, and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Hello, I'm Brian Morris. Why do we gotta be mean about my hello? Because <laughs> it was funny. I'm Stacey Kulo. We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I'm not gonna watch it anymore, because he's mean to me. <laughs> so we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons. Well, we just, just I am now. <laughs> Comparing them as we go. And this week, the final week of the podcast, <laughs> we watch season three, episode 20 of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls, Say Goodnight, Gracie. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Prom. We will keep watching it. I'm not mad. Okay, so both these episodes are prom related. Related. One is very much prom. Wait, are we going to see prom in Gilmore Girls? I truly don't remember how much of prom we see. Okay. I feel like that's a lie. There's a lot in common between these two episodes, maybe more than ever. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, like the weird coincidences that kept coming up. Yeah, from scones to the boyfriends leaving town. Yeah. To go to the same town. Yeah, they're, it's crazy. We'll get into it. We're going to get into it. Guys, we were going to go on our vacation. Remember Brian surprised me with a trip for my birthday and then we didn't go because our cat was sick? We scheduled a second trip. Same trip, different time. But like the night before, our cat starts acting all weird again. Yeah. We took him to the vet. He maybe has a little tooth problem. We might have to get his tooth taken out. The doctor said his teeth are like fine. It's just like cats get this thing where their tooth just starts rotting away. Yeah, it's like a weird thing where like the cat's own body like absorbs the tooth. So that might be why he's acting weird. Yeah, maybe why he's like eating his food kind of funny and throwing up sometimes. Well, someday we'll go on vacation, Brian. In neighbor news, some of you might remember that we have like a view into this courtyard in the back of our apartment that somebody has sort of converted into their personal little like fantasy garden. And this guy like performs out there for nobody or for, I don't know. It's what weird. is a fantasy garden? I mean, it's a, it's like a garden where you can go sit. I don't know. And have fantasies? Well, what do you, well, how would you describe it? A garden? But he's like, got it so you can like sit out there and there's like. Yeah, usually gardens don't have seating, I guess. Well, the- <laughs> The benches are like multicolored and there's a telescope. There's a lot going on out there. there there's a vibe he's going there's for. There's a weird giant frog and like a weird armadillo stingray yeah. carcass. Yeah. What is that thing? Yeah. I don't even know what that is. I don't know what animal that is. The frog is new. I noticed that looking at me this week. Is this anecdote about the mysterious bag of food that was mysterious out there? Mysterious bag of food. I'm so sad we didn't look. Okay, so you tell the story. I watched a woman who I don't normally see in the courtyard. I mean, I feel like people occasionally will go back there and like take a picture of it and be like, that's nice. Hmm. Or then, complain about it. I've seen both. Yeah, but generally people don't frequent the courtyard except a select group of people. Right. But this woman goes out there. She's, I think she maybe sat on the bench, but she's got this bag of maybe bagels or cookies. It looks like some kind of carb in like a clear plastic bag that you get from the grocery store and put like vegetables in. Right. And it just sits on the bench. So I'm like, okay, she left it there? She forgot it? Maybe she's leaving it for someone? It sits out there for like a week. It's kind of a big bag. Like it's stuffed pretty big for it to have been forgotten. Yeah. And now it's gone. I think I heard someone talk about it. Maybe I heard the word cookies. I don't even know if it was food. What about the man who like removed it temporarily and then returned it? What? One of the men who frequents the fantasy garden had it in his hand and was walking away with it, but then put it back. What is that? I don't know. 
It's, I was like, oh, he's going to throw it away because it's garbage. Then he's like, no, it's not. I better put it back. Maybe it had a note in it. It was like, this is for you, baby. And then he realized he wasn't baby. <laughs> I'm Bobby. I misread it. I almost feel like I overheard someone like apologizing for not getting rid of it or I don't know. I'm, I really wish we would have at least seen what it was. Now it's gone. Now you guys feel bad because you don't know what it was and you're invested. Um, we are accepting questions about the fantasy garden if you have any. <laughs> I have multiple videos of people using the fantasy garden. I see I've won you over with fantasy garden. <laughs> <laughs> we went for a walk to this park and there's this really nice passage to the, like most of it's kind of a shitty walk through like very industrial parts of the town. The town, Queens. Yeah. <laughs> But there's this, like, green area that just has, like, a handwritten sign by, like, a child that's like, please don't litter in our sacred garden. It is not a garden. It is a weed patch. Like, there's nothing planted there. It's just whatever's growing, mostly dirt. Like, what is this? This is not a sacred garden. Maybe they misspelled secret. Or shitty. <laughs> yeah, because honestly, not even a joke. Like, eight feet away from there is, like, a hole where there's, like, what, 20 trash bags? Yes. Like, a hole. Maybe it's mulch. Yeah, maybe they're working on making it a sacred garden and step one is stop littering here maybe those are like bodies like it's a real sacred garden or someone's just really messing with that sign and they're they super littered anyway we got a five-star review oh yeah thank you so much to becky the podcast player that's a good name we see what you did thank you i'm excited to talk about shows okay well this week we started with gilmore girls brian tell everyone about say goodnight gracie i don't know why it's called that yeah, I rewatched part of it. And I was like, wait, that woman's name was Fran? Maybe it's a reference to a movie or something. Probably. And we should look it up, but we didn't. Yeah. Should we? Okay, we did just try to look it up very quickly. It is a play. I didn't really get enough information about the plot of the play to figure out how that's a reference. So if you know, let us know. We're curious. So this episode is really about the aftermath of the party as far as how it impacted Lane, Rory, and Jess. And also about Lorelai maybe buying an inn. Maybe. The episode opens on the aftermath of the party from last week. Rory is picking up Lane's forgotten backpack, which is now covered in vomit. It's a barf pack now. Kyle and Marshall are, like, cleaning up stuff and fighting about it in the yard. He's like, pick up the Tootsie Roll wrapper, but there's just, like, cups everywhere. I know, it's like, well, we could get to that later, man. But also, we find out that maybe Marshall's not his brother, because he's like, stop arguing with me, Marshall, my parents are watching. He's just a very good friend. Yeah, very good friend. Lorelai is, like, excited that Rory had her first police-busted party, but it isn't until Luke shows up to see about fixing the damages to the house that Lorelai finds out that the reason the party got busted was because Jess and Dean were fighting over Rory. And then she's somehow even more proud of her daughter. <laughs> just, like, singing to her about how she's her hero. It's pretty funny. Yeah, she kind of left that out when she was telling her mom about the party. Right. Although her mom thought it was great. Yeah, no need to leave it out. Yeah. Good news. Rory returns the backpack to Lane at church. This is the church that is shared between a priest and a rabbi. If you guys remember from a few episodes ago, the rabbi pokes in to tell the priest to hurry up. It's kind of funny. He's just like, come on, come on. So the priest like speeds through the rest of his sermon and then the two swap the cross in the back for a big Jewish star. This is all pretty funny, but is this the church Lane goes to? I'm a little confused about that because I think Lane is specifically Seventh-day Adventist. And I don't know much about that religion, but this seems like a very loosey-goosey general Christian church. Yeah, Almost non-denominational, maybe. Yeah. But also, I thought she went to, like, an all-Korean church. It does seem like when there's church-related things at her home, it is all Korean people. But, like, how many churches are in this town if two of them are sharing a church? Right. 
Also, Lane is there manning a table? What is the table? Like, church is happening. There's, like, a bunch of pamphlets. So I'm guessing they're just pamphlets to give to, like, curious, wandering-by atheists. I don't know. Maybe it's to get people away from this church to their church. (laughs) Maybe it's for, like, Jewish people from the next service that maybe want to convert. I have no idea. I don't know. Lane mentions that her mom isn't disciplining her or even really acknowledging her drunk call from the party the night before. But she is acting, like, almost too nice or sort of robotic. Lane's trying to make it up to her mom by promising that she'll live at home and go to a Seventh-day Adventist college at Hartford. And yeah, like you said, she would work this table, whatever that means. She also mentioned to her mom that she wouldn't go to the prom with Dave. And if she's not going to the prom, why would Rory? That's a good question. Because Rory makes a big point how she wants to go with Lane. But Lane might still go. Yeah, sounds like she's not going to go, hon. Meanwhile, Luke's is super busy, and Jess is not handling it very well. He's being like a dick to everyone, like every single customer he's yelling at. I get being stressed out. Like, I worked at a Panera Bread in uh, Wisconsin, which is just, like, angry white people. Like, I get it. This one woman, though. Oh, yeah. I need ham. (laughs) She's like, excuse me, I'd like some ham. And I don't know what he says, but she's like, but I'd like some ham. Well, to be fair, he says that she's been waiting for, like, 20 minutes for ham. Yes. He's specifically yelling at this one guy who seems to be drinking a bunch of coffee but not ordering. We also meet the real Caesar. Yes. We meet a new Caesar. (laughs) We've referenced Caesar. I think we've met a man they say was Caesar, but Caesar becomes a slightly bigger character, and this is the man that is Caesar from here on out, I believe. He also became a slightly shorter character. (laughs) Maybe younger? Unique voice. Oh, yeah, way younger. As soon as this guy's head popped out and he talked, I'm like, oh, you're going to be like a character on this show for sure. He's like Mr. Ed, though. He never leaves that little box. Oh, is that true? No. Okay. I don't actually know if he ever leaves Luke's, though. He's not, like, a big character. Like, he's not going to date Lorelai or anything. Uh, it means that he is. <laughs> in the middle of all this, Dosi bursts in like the grifter from the Music Man talking about his shop opening up and a big sale on candy. He's going to have old-timey penny candies for, like, a dollar. <laughs> Uh, He's got this big event planned with, like, a marching band. He gives some candy to Jess to, like, calm him down. And then Kirk, like, sees this and is, like, annoying to him, like, extorting him for more candy. Yeah. Luke does come in, understandably upset that Jess trashed that house the night before. Jess argues that it was self-defense, which it kind of was. Dean did hit him first, but then Jess could have just walked away. Right, but would you? No, but at some point it doesn't become self-defense anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if Dean punched me... Um, I would probably lose because Dean's like seven foot nine. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, too, if you're in someone's house, you might, if you're not a dumb teenage boy, have the like wherewithal to be like, I shouldn't destroy this house I've never been to. Yeah, you don't want to ruin someone's hummels. Close. Hummels? Yeah. That's what it is. They say it again in this episode. They do. Jess just keeps saying like, yeah, well, Dean did it too. Well, Dean did it too. Well, Dean did that too. But the difference is that Dean was there the next day offering to help pay and fix for everything. Because he's a good boy. He is. I don't love him, but he's a good guy. So Luke tells Jess that he's going to dock his pay until everything's fixed and paid for. Jess is pissed. While Jess is in the back getting some coffee, Luke notices a guy forgot his wallet when he leaves. So Luke brings the wallet out and then looks inside. And then we get a shot of Luke clearly unhappy with what he sees inside the wallet. Cut to the Gilmore Girl house. Lorelai calls her mom Emily as a bit of an olive branch, I think. Uh, We know that Rory is having a movie night over there tonight, but Lorelai hasn't patched things up yet. And she's kind of feeling guilty about it, too. So she calls her mom, and Emily is just super cold on the phone. She's like channeling Miss Kim, I guess. She's like, can I talk to Rory? (laughs) Yeah, she asks, she's like, well, can I talk to Rory? And Lorelai's like, I called you. (laughs) Yeah. You don't get to ask for somebody else when I call. That was funny. But Emily claims that Lorelai was the one that called off Friday night dinner, which is not true. No. 
I mean, Lorelai definitely implied she would not be coming over as often, but Emily was the one that was like, forget all of them. We're not doing it anymore. Yeah, Lorelai's whole thing was like, I'm not obligated to come over, but we probably still will come over sometimes. The food's good. Yeah. Emily points out, hey, we can go back to our old superficial relationship if you want, where I call and leave like a really vague voicemail, so you have to call me back, and then we talk about the weather for a little while. And so she does just that, and then Lorelai gets mad and hangs up. Emily's being a little snotty here. Emily's being a lot right now, actually. A lot of snot. She's being a lot of snot right now. At school, Rory and Paris are trying to get the last issue of the Franklin ready for print. Paris is freaking out, but I, did I even need to say that? You knew she was. She always is. When is she not? She's uh, reasonably calm in this one. That's fair. Yes. For Paris, she's reasonably calm. This scene was actually pretty funny because there's like this scene of Madeline and Louise where they seem to be working diligently and intelligently on designing the cover of the newspaper, but they're actually planning their dresses, dates, travel, and photos for prom. Yeah, they have to have the right color palette. Yeah, and they're just like swapping things in. Like, oh, let's bring in the golf team again if we change the color. It's pretty funny. I like that they haven't decided on their dates yet because their like hair color needs to match. Yeah, but all this prom talk seems to sort of make Rory melancholy, probably because she's like, oh, Lane's not going. Well, she also hasn't heard from Jess right. that she's going. Right. Later that day, Lorelai is talking to Suki while they walk down the street, and they happen across Fran's bakery, where they notice a sign saying that Fran just recently died. Do you think someone will post a sign when we die? Yes. Will you guys? Would you guys mind posting a sign when we die? Doesn't matter where. Why would one of these people know? The only, the only way one of these people is posting a sign is if they killed us. Still post a sign. Yeah, I mean, don't kill us, but if you do, like, can you put a sign up, please? <laughs> we just want people to know that we're closed. If you guys don't remember, Fran owned the Dragonfly Inn. And that was like the dream inn, like fantasy inn. Like imagine a fantasy garden, but it's an inn. You can go and sit there? Yeah. There's a bunch of like bag of bagels there. Uh, But she mentioned that she didn't want to sell it. She wanted to keep it for the rest of her life. Well, she's dead now, so... Thank God. Did you say thank God? Yeah. (laughs) So now these two are trying not to be too excited about the possibility that they might be able to, you know, buy this thing. But they're clearly, like, very excited at that prospect. Mm -hmm. Which fits into my prediction that she's going to ask her mother to help her pay for it. Anyway. Meanwhile, at the Kim's house, Lane is trying to make small talk with her mom, who's giving her one-word responses. I 100% relate to this. Oh, yeah? I don't know if you relate to this at all. I remember conversations like this with my mom, like, when I was young, and I had gotten in trouble at some point where, like, I'm trying to be positive and upbeat and, like, talk to her to see if she's, like, done being mad at me or not. (laughs) Do you have any recollections like that? I don't think this is quite my mom's MO, but, yeah, I don't know why she's acting this way. Well, I've had this with, like, ex-girlfriends, too. Sure, but I feel like this is not normal for Mrs. Kim, either. I agree. Miss Kim's, like, generally a tyrant. I don't know why she wouldn't just yell at her. Like, why is she being weird about it? Right, right. Before we can get any of those answers, the doorbell rings, and it's Dave. He shows up dressed to the nines, like, in a suit, tie, everything. He walks up to Miss Kim and just, like, lays everything out. He's like, listen, I'm a good guy. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I barely watch TV. I don't play video games in case studies eventually prove that they'll make you crazy serial killer. I hope they don't, because I'm going to be one then. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love playing Christian music. I'll give up meat. I just really want to take your daughter to prom. Honestly, I, like, love this scene. Yeah? Yeah, it felt earned and romantic. It made me like Dave more than anything had so far. Oh. I mean, I'm proud of it. Miss Kim is scary. She is scary. I keep saying Miss Kim. It's Mrs. Kim. I realize she has a husband. We've just never seen him, but he supposedly exists. Mm-hmm. The scene was sweet and funny. You know those TikToks that are like, why did I retain every word of this? Mm-hmm. I've seen someone do this whole speech. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. It's a good speech. Mrs. Kim is silent for a few moments, and then suddenly she says, 
Let never day nor night unhallowed pass, but still remember what the Lord hath done. Hmm. Neither Dave, nor Lane, nor Stacy, nor I had any idea what that response meant. No, and I've seen the episode. Yeah, but <laughs> but Dave sort of says, okay, cool. And then he walks outside and then says to Lane, like, that must be from the Bible. I'll go look it up, do some research, look on the internet. He likes her so much. He does. Not as much as Young Chu, though. You know, that's an unsung hero, really. That guy probably liked her more than Dave. Mm. I hope Young Chu comes back. I loved him. You did? I think he died in the fight, though. Yeah, we don't see an apology between Dave and Young Chu. <laughs> Young Chu's still paying for the damages. Yeah. <laughs> they should have just blamed it all on him. Yeah. Young Chu did, too. <laughs> <laughs> much later that night, Luke shows up at the Lost Wallet Guy's hotel room. How did he find it? It's not like your wallet has your... Maybe there was like a hotel key in the wallet. There's only so many hotels nearby. Yeah. He could have called Lorelai be like, is he there? Michelle probably would have ratted on anybody immediately. Yes, he's in room four. I heard he's asleep and vulnerable. I still am unable to tell if this guy left his wallet on purpose because he seems very unsurprised that he left his wallet. He's all like, oh, did I? I feel like by the time you got back home, you'd be like, oh, I don't have my wallet. Yeah, I I don't know. I almost felt like he was trying to leave it for Jess. I think so. I don't know what this guy's last name is. It's Jess Dad. It's Jimmy Jess Dad. So there is an inconsistency in the show here, which I don't need to dwell on. It's whatever. They make mistakes. But I went back and looked. The episode where Jess comes to town, Luke is setting up the apartment for Jess, and Lorelai's like, where's his dad? He's like, oh, that guy my sister met at a whatever. He left like two years ago. Which Mm. you could read to be like, that was Jess's stepdad that like walked out. But I don't know. I feel like Lorelai was looking for... Where's this guy's biological dad? And in this episode, they're telling us he left when Jess was, like, in diapers. Yeah, we find out that this guy, his name is Jimmy. He's Jess's estranged, unknown biological father. Luke angrily recounts the story right after Luke's sister Liz gives birth, or shortly after that anyway. Jimmy went out for diapers, uh, and he never came back. My point is, I don't know if Jess's last name would be this guy's last name. Jess has a different last name than Luke, so he doesn't have his mom's maiden name. Right. So I don't know if this is Jimmy Mariano. I mean, Jess might have asked his mom, what's my dad's name at some point, too. Yeah. I hear what you're saying, but it just, the way he said it, it made it seem like he was not surprised he left his wallet right. behind. And I feel like I wouldn't be able to go home and not notice that I don't have a wallet. Yeah, especially if you're, like, traveling. Yeah. Jimmy, it seems, felt it was time for him to finally meet Jess. Uh, he's trying to get some sympathy from Luke, but Luke has zero sympathy. Luke is sure Jimmy is here for some bad reason, like he needs money or something. Luke says to him, like, I'm trying everything to keep Jess on the straight and narrow path, and you being here isn't going to help. He threatens to put Jimmy's head through a wall if he upsets Jess and makes Luke's job of, like, raising Jess harder. This kind of feels like invented drama to me. I don't know. What do you think? Well, it seemed, I don't know, because to me, I was like, maybe we'll learn more about Jimmy. Okay, yeah. Like I, in the way you find out of Christopher and everyone calls him unreliable and it's like, well, he doesn't seem unreliable. And then you find out like, oh, he is. Like I get why Luke would hate this guy. Yeah. He left his sister and her baby. Yeah. So yeah, I, I guess it, it's justified then if Luke knows this guy's bad news. I feel like I would be mad at him. But I feel like it'd be a little bit more curious. Like, what are you doing here? Instead of just like super mean. Well, he is like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I don't know. I wanted to see him. Yeah, that's that's true. But I also understand Jimmy's point of view as far as I don't know Jimmy, his character at all. I do maybe get that at some point he's like, I should meet my son. And not having a clear picture about how to do it or why you want to, but like you just feel like you need to. I I do want to say that this guy is really well cast. So good. I feel like he even looks like Milo. A little bit. I think he has blue eyes and Milo has like dark eyes. 
And I think he is like playing Milo. Right. I don't know who this guy is, if he's in anything else, but I, I think he's maybe watched some tapes of Milo playing Jess and is imitating him. But in doing that, he's he's nailing the physicality of his like mannerisms and stuff. Yeah, everything. I was just like, oh, I believe you as his dad for sure. Which I think they were maybe going for. Like these guys don't know each other, but they're maybe similar people. Yeah. Uh, the next day is the funeral. And on the way to the funeral, Rory tells her mom that she'll meet her at the church because she needs to stop at Dosie's Grocery. It's a lie. It's super clear she wants to go talk to Jess. It's actually weird that her mom, like, doesn't pick up on it. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's, like, telegraphing it pretty hard. It could be like she wants to go talk to Dean. Yeah. But it's clear she's not going to buy tissues, like she said. Oh, yeah. Lorelai would probably protest more, but then she runs into Miss Patty, who's just, like, sobbing on a bench because she's, like, having trouble dealing with the concept that her friends are all going to die someday. That is tough. Yeah. She's like, it really makes one think about what's truly important in one's life. And then, predictably, she immediately says, I'm really glad I had all that sex. Yeah. Like, you just knew, but it's like, okay, and here's the joke. I will point out, like, every one of the funerals wearing black. Miss Patty's wearing a print shirt, but it's got dragonflies all over it. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, I wonder if that was intentional. Probably. Huh, yeah. Then we have the best scene in the episode. Yeah, you like this a lot. I liked it a lot. I don't know. It was just really cute. Rory walks to the door of Luke's diner to obviously go talk to Jess. She, like, goes to the door. She stands outside. And she sort of contemplates entering but decides not to. And then she sort of storms off. And then she, like, stops, turns around, and determinedly walks back to the door only to stop at the door again, think a little bit, and then leave. Jess only sees her as she's walking away the second time. So he starts going to the door to talk to her. And then he stops. He hesitates. He decides he's not going to. He starts to walk away back to the register. And then he's like, no. And he walks outside to go talk to her. And then he comes back like he clearly didn't talk to her. All of this, by the way, is being watched by Luke. Yeah, who doesn't say anything? Yeah. I just love this scene. I thought the music was really great. And I just, I don't know. It was just like cute to see them both like not be able to communicate but want to. They have feelings for each other. But they both have issues. I mean, Jess is more issues than Rory that's not 50 50 here but um I liked it I liked it a lot Luke's reactions were funny too like what the fuck why are they not talking to each other and he's like not asking any questions about it either yeah back at the funeral Lane is not working that table tisk tisk well it's not church I mean that's the best time to be working it when it's not church <laughs> Dosie's at the door handing out pamphlets and telling everyone that his grand opening has been postponed what a douchebag <laughs> thank you for coming the grand opening's been postponed the grand opening of the coffin has been postponed <laughs> Fran's friend gets up to say a few words about the bakery staying open and presumably more, but her mic keeps cutting in and out, so Lorelai and Suki can't hear what she's saying, and they're really interested to see if she says anything about the Dragonfly Inn remaining open. This is weird. You don't just get up at someone's funeral and start talking about all the property they owned. I don't know. They didn't. I don't know that she did talk about the Dragonfly Inn. She did. She was like, the bakery's going to stay open. Also, she owned this hotel, and then she it cuts out. But I'm like, what? Why are we just bragging about this woman's estate? Yeah. Also, I, this place isn't big enough that you couldn't hear someone if they weren't mic'd. Agreed. They'd be able to hear her. They call for a moment of silence, which, of course, is exactly when Dosie's marching band goes by. They apparently did not get the memo that the opening was canceled. Also, who are these people? Yeah, what? This is not the high school band. They're wearing a different color outfit. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's any consistency in this town. This is a blue band. The school colors are red. Yeah. Apparently, Fran had a weird final request. She wants them to walk her dead body around the square one last time. Okay, sure. Mrs. Kim says, walking with dead people is not my thing. Let's go. <laughs> that was so funny. 
Lorelai and Suki both notice that one of the pallbearers is Fran's lawyer. So they're going to try to casually ask if they can have the dead woman's in. So they're just like super casually walking next to the casket, you know, just casually striking up a conversation with the pallbearer. And they just are really trying to hide their excitement and enthusiasm about maybe getting the in. Uh, And they're not hiding it very well, especially Suki. This is also Melissa McCarthy's IRL husband. Yeah. The lawyer does say that he thinks the family is planning on selling the dragonfly, and if they call him, as far as he's concerned, as long as their check clears, they can have it. At some point, though, there's a funny scene where Kirk says, Get out of the way, you're blocking her view. <laughs> as Rory's walking out of the funeral, though, she sees Dean. He tells Rory that he's getting married to Lindsay. He asked her the night before, she said yes. Rory does not know how to react to this. I actually think this scene is like very well acted by Rory. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I really do. I thought it was super believable. She's completely nonplus and doesn't know what to say or do. And she just says, like, why? She points out that he's probably too young to get married and that, like, college is going to be hard to focus on if he's married. And they've barely been dating. Yeah, and she says, like, you should just date for a while. Dating's fun. He doesn't take this that well. No. I have so many questions. For one, Dean just got into a violent fight because of his ex-girlfriend. Yeah. You'd think that would take a while for Lindsay to, like, get over. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I hear what you're saying. And the same token, he probably complains to her about how much he hates Jess in general. Yeah. But, like, if you were just, like, defending the honor of your ex-girlfriend and then a couple days later proposed, I feel like we'd still be in, like, a slight fight from that. Why would you be upset with me for defending my ex-girlfriend's honor? Because it seems like you're still in love with her. And you just, like, destroyed someone's house about it. A couple of things about that. So if somebody came in here and you were with your ex, well, that doesn't mean, why are you here with your ex? I'm listening. You're in the fantasy garden. <laughs> Which ex? Okay, if somebody, if I was, if we were out at, uh, we were at a party and someone went into my ex and was like, you're a dumb idiot bitch who's stupid. I should just be like, that's cool. That's not what happened though. You're right. If somebody tried to have sex with my ex-girlfriend against her will. If your ex-girlfriend's current boyfriend tried to have sex with her. Uh Uh-huh. Right, but I'm still in love with her in this scenario. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) See my point? Yeah, I guess. To me, though, Dean is like a big white knight. Like, I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay. I I don't know that... You're right that, like, there is some reasons for him to defend her. Like, if Jess was trying to force Rory to have sex... Any man that steps in and stops that is a hero. But I feel like that's what Dean read it as. I don't think Dean was like, oh, you got a little too handsy. Right. But it is complicated. I agree. Lindsay probably knows that. I feel like there would be a few days where her and Dean weren't doing great. And a proposal would feel like he was trying to fix everything. Sure. Dean also has this, like, we've set up a little bit in that, like, bullshit Donna Reed episode right. that didn't really mean much until maybe now. Right. That he's got this, like, fantasy, if you will, of, like, domesticity. And Dean doesn't seem particularly religious. I feel like when you have, like, very religious people sometimes, they sort of have this, like, model of, like, that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, and then so they can have sex. That's also true. But that has not been established at all. Yeah, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's like, I need to have sex right now. Right. He would never pressure Rory to have sex. I Honestly, I am torn about this scene. I want to talk. I'm very torn. Dean is upset that Rory is criticizing his decision and isn't happy for him. And he says, like, I'm sorry that your relationship sucks and that he treats you like dirt, but not every relationship's like that. And I kind of want to be like, yeah, like, she should just be supportive. Like, he's already decided he's going to marry her. Yeah, but, like, also if they're friends, I feel like it's fine that she would be like, maybe wait a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I have a friend who was a year out of high school, maybe, and his wife was still in high school, and he proposed. 
And I, I do think we were all a little bit like, huh, maybe you could wait a little bit. Like, not not supportive, but I feel like we all were on the same page of like, maybe we should tell them, like, just wait a minute. Right. They're still married. They didn't get married for like a couple years. She wasn't like in high school when they got married, but they got engaged when she was in high school. And now they have two kids and everything's great, as far as I know. I guess it's just like when you're the ex, it's like maybe you don't get to weigh in on relationship stuff in my mind. I'm confused why he told her. He justifies it at the end because he says, I didn't want you to like hear it on the street. Oh, I have. I think I understand why he did that. But he came to her like she'd be excited. And I don't know why he would... I feel like he should have come to her more timidly. Like, oh, this might be weird to tell you, but... Well, I think it's because she broke up with him. He was the, quote-unquote, like, loser in that situation. He was the one that was hurt. Part of her, I'm sure, carries some guilt for hurting him like that, for betraying him. Yeah. He's. This is like saying to her, like, hey, you don't need to carry that guilt. Hmm. You don't need to carry that that burden anymore. Look at me. I'm happy. Not only am I no longer hurt, but I'm flourishing. Sure, yeah. That's true. And, like, I imagine that you will feel a little better now that you don't have to worry about me being a wounded puppy. But it is also a little bit, like, Lorelai being at the birth of Christopher's second baby and him being like, look how great it is that I'm doing this thing that we did together with someone else now. No, it's not. It's not. It's not the same at all. You don't think so? No, I really don't. I guess She left him. He did not want that to end. She left him for someone else. She's still with that person. That's not the same. Christopher didn't willingly leave Lorelai. He no. did out of obligation. Yeah. But I, it's, I think it's a similar situation in that Christopher could have been more sensitive. I, well, I don't understand why Dean would need to be sensitive. She's with someone else. Yeah. Who she left him for. That's true. I, I hear what you're saying. That he thinks he's relieving her of guilt. Sometimes in this podcast we're talking things through. And, you know, we're not arguing. You know, we're not going to fight. This isn't the last podcast. <laughs> Um, no, we're not fighting. I like this conversation. No, I just, because we're disagreeing a little bit. Right. And so I, I just want to make it clear that we're not, like, fighting about this. We're just discussing it. You'll know when we're fighting. You'll fucking know, okay, guys? <laughs> no, I hear what you're saying. That, like, Dean thinks he's relieving her of guilt. But I also think it's a little naive of him to think that she would just be like, oh, that's great. I agree. Part of me wonders if it's not, like, twofold, where it's like, I will make her feel better, but also a little bit like, hey, I want you, I'm proud of myself. Yeah, like, like suck it, Rory. I, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say suck it, because I do think he cares about her, but a little bit like, hey, I'm not as shitty as you thought. Someone loves me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I do think that Dean comes across as sort of dickish in the scene because he gets upset, but people get upset, and she didn't respond the way he wanted to. So he could have handled this better for sure. Right. I don't know if we're supposed to think he's an asshole or not. Like, It might just be that they intended it to be as complex as we just made it. Yeah. Okay, I think we figured it out. It's a complex scene. At the Kim's house, Lane is still trying to fix things between her and her mother. She even gets out the fancy soy scones. And toaf butter. And toaf butter. <laughs> Lane like blurts out this big apology about how she's really sad. She's going to do anything she can to make it up to her mom. Then Dave shows up, disheveled as fuck. He's still wearing the same suit from the day before. He stayed up all night. He read the entire Bible, and he still can't find out where that verse came from or what it means. He just needs to know what she meant. And Mrs. Kim says, oh, it's not from the Bible. It's Shakespeare, Henry VI. She says she likes to goof off every now and then. She's like, you know, I also like to goof off occasionally. (laughs) I don't buy that's what... She was doing in that moment, though. You know me. I like to goof off and read some Tolstoy. Was she trying to trick him into reading the Bible? Like, what's the joke? Well, I think the joke was that he would get that she understands that they goof off. I think it's the idea. I don't know what you mean. Or maybe there's some meaning in that Shakespeare quote that we're not familiar with. Yeah. It doesn't matter. 
This scene has maybe the funniest Mrs. Kim quote yet. It's in contention with when Rory falls down and she says, well, don't. Yeah, she's, <laughs> yeah, that was such a funny line. But this line is she goes, reading the Bible in one night is a very difficult thing to do. I myself have only done it three times. <laughs> you need great determination and great lights. So funny. It's not possible. So funny. But then she acquiesces. She says that it's okay. She agrees to let Dave take Lane to prom. But they can't get married. No big deal. Dave is fine with this. And then he and Lane are both very happy. But Lane's grounded until prom and two months after. Yeah. I'm surprised she even lets them talk on the phone. She's like, you can call her every other day for 10 minutes. I mean, I think Mrs. Kim really likes Dave. Yeah. I think she thinks Dave is a good guy. She's just, uh, you know, he's not Asian, so she's not, he's not exactly what she wants. But she's, she, I feel like she really does think Dave is a good guy. I wonder if that's part of why she's so conflicted. I think so. Because she's like, I don't know, maybe trying to figure out if she's wrong about something. Right. But there is the added stuff of Lane being in a rock band and drinking alcohol, which I don't think in any world she is fine with. Oh, totally agree. That's why she's still grounded. But yeah, I'm wondering why Mrs. Kim isn't yelling at her for those things, even if she's like processing this Dave stuff. It's a good question. It might just be like so bad that she can't process it well, or it's like she's been like, oh, I can't just get angry. This is like way bigger than, I don't know. I don't know. Or, you know, maybe she's aware that love can make you do crazy things. And we won't find out what happened with her and Mr. Kim. Actually, I don't really know. Maybe there's mention of it. I assume he's dead in the attic somewhere. Yeah. And we will find that out in the last episode. That's what she's been thinking about. She kills him in this episode (laughs) off screen. She's really preoccupied with how she's going to break it to Lane. Speaking of deadbeat dads. (laughs) Much later that night at Luke's, Jimmy shows up and just blurts out that he's Jess's dad. Jess, like, offers him some coffee, and the two sit down for a few minutes. Jimmy's like, Luke didn't tell you I was in town? Jess, like, no. Then the two sort of just sit there in silence for a little bit, nodding their heads in unison to some Dave Bowie, sort of implying that they are related and similar, like they're they're connected. But then Jimmy suddenly is just like, I gotta go, and just hurriedly runs out. Yeah, that's his, uh, that's his MO. MO. Yeah. He should have been like, I'm gonna get some diapers. Yeah. I don't know exactly when this next scene takes place, but they're walking back to the car and Lorelai notices a dress in a window and she starts telling Rory like, oh, you should wear this dress. We've got to start thinking about what you're going to wear to prom. Rory's like, let's drop it. And her mom's like, no, you really got it. What do you need? It's coming up. Rory finally says that she doesn't even know if she's going to prom after the party and the fight and the thing in Kyle's bedroom, which I'm guessing is Marshall. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He was just there. You remember that thing we did in Kyle's bedroom? Um, do we know a Kyle? I don't, I, I was hoping that there would be a real life connection, but we I, have, we have a cousin Kyle. I have a cousin Kyle. We are not related to the same person. Um, but I don't think we've ever been in Kyle's bedroom. Um, no. I mean, we've been to my aunt's house, but I don't know that Kyle has a bedroom there since we've been dating. That's sad. Should have done something there. In my cousin's house? Yeah, baby. Anyway. Undo. Undo what you just did. <laughs> I don't think I know any other Kyles that well. I knew a Kyle who died. Whoa. What'd you do to him? I um, didn't tell him to stop taking drugs. Baby. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And you could have? There wasn't a moment where he checked in with me like, yo, should I stop doing drugs? And I was like, no, dude, you got to keep doing them drugs. Oh, man, this got dark. It did. Lorelai hears in Kyle's bedroom and then, like, immediately pulls Rory into their car to continue the convo. Rory is really upset about Jess, especially how uncommunicative he is. Lorelai, understandably, is more focused on what happened in Kyle's bedroom. Mm -hmm. 
Rory assures her that nothing happened, and she isn't sure if Jess was upset because he didn't want to have sex or if it's because of something else. She just feels really shitty because she's become a girlfriend who lets her boyfriend treat her badly and then, like, covers for him. She also doesn't say it in this scene, but I bet she's also bothered by the Dean thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's, like, the cracking point, I think, for her. In this scene, Rory also mentions that Jess, like, doesn't ever talk to her, and she's, like, sick of not knowing what's going on with him, and that he just gets mad and then disappears. Right. And then Lorelai's like, you can't make him talk. It's probably just hard for him to talk, which is something we've talked about, that, like, Jess's whole deal, and even, like, Luke, make Jess feel like he doesn't have anyone he can talk to, except maybe Rory, but he still doesn't talk to Rory. Yeah. There's also a weird thing where, like, a car wants to park where she is. It's, like, almost like they just wanted to make this scene a little longer. I don't understand why that was even in the episode. Maybe just to make it a little funny, but not every scene in the show is always funny. I also don't think it's funny. It was just like, okay, that's the thing happening. Anyway. fuck that car. Just go, dude. She told you to go. It's not that big of a town. You'll find a spot. Meanwhile, at Luke's place, Jess confronts Luke about hiding the fact that her father's in town. Now, you know I hate this side with Jess, but I have to here. I get why Luke is worried about what a meeting between Jess and his father might do psychologically to Jess, okay? I get that. But it really isn't Luke's choice or place to decide if Jess should meet his dad. What if Jimmy decides tomorrow that he doesn't want to meet his son, so Jess never gets that opportunity? I also, I mean, has Luke signed, like, legal guardianship papers? Like, I guess Jess is probably 18 at this point, so it's not like anyone can really make Jess do anything. But, like, what if Jimmy dies in a car wreck? If driving skills are hereditary, there's a good chance Jimmy's going to get in a car wreck. Yeah. So my point is, it's just like, it's not Luke's place to tell him you don't get to meet your dad. I will say that technically, Luke does not forbid Jimmy from seeing Jess. He specifically says, like, if you do anything to, like, make my job harder of keeping Jess on the right path and you upset Jess, then I'm going to hurt you. But he doesn't say, like, you can't meet him. But, I mean, I feel like that physical threat was sort of saying that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, Jimmy's his dad and Jess is 18. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. I don't get why Luke is, like, so weird about Jimmy. I get hating Jimmy. Yeah, but, like, if you'd never met your dad, you'd be super curious about your dad. Absolutely. In this scene, Jess admits that he's not going to graduate. And Luke doesn't take this well, but he's like, fine, fine, fine. You can stay another year, quit your job at Walmart, but you're going to repeat the 12th grade. Jess, like, refuses. He's not going to do that. So Luke finally is like, well, then you got to go. You got to get out. Yeah. I mean, I feel like as much as I give shit to Luke all the time for, like, how he doesn't handle things, I feel like he keeps trying to give Jess a chance. Yeah, and it's good he didn't, like, cave on the deal. He gave him another chance when he sent him back to New York, and then he came back. And Jess was like, I'll do better. And then he didn't do better. So, and like, then what's... he tried to give him another chance now, where he's like, fine, quit yeah. Walmart, go back to school next year, and you can still live here. So, like, it's tricky because, like, kicking him out maybe isn't going to help him, but, like, what's he supposed to do? Yeah, if Jess isn't going to even try, then, yeah, what's he supposed to do? So the next morning, Lorelai has <clears throat> made breakfast for Rory so she doesn't have to go to Luke's and possibly run into Jess. She literally woke up early, went to Luke's, got breakfast, and brought it back. Which Rory can tell. Yeah. But she's fine with that. This scene also has two very funny lines. The two see an announcement in the paper that about Dean and Lindsay's engagement. And Lorelai says, like, maybe they had to get married before he grows so tall that she won't be able to talk to him anymore. Yeah. He is very tall. Rory mentions that she actually does want Dean to be happy, which is nice to know. I feel like that's how she actually feels. Yeah, I don't ever get an impression in this episode that she's like, I wish I was with Dean. I think she is unhappy with her relationship with Jess, but I don't think she's ever like, man, I blew it and let Dean go. I don't know, man. I That scene where she announces it, I feel like that thought does cross her mind. Yeah, maybe. But I don't get the impression she wants to get married right now. No, I totally agree with you. I think it's just like, oh, that, that road is totally closed off now. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Whereas, true. like, in my head, like, that was maybe a possibility in the future. You know what I mean? Yeah, because like, she likes to hang on to guys, it seems. Yeah. Like, Not that she was planning on it, but it was, like, an option, and she does like Dean, and now, like, that's just definitely not. Like, she could string him along again if she changed her mind about Jess ever? I don't think she intentionally thinks that way, like a psychopath. No. You know? But, like... But maybe, like, in the DL, her subconscious thinks that. Yeah, and I don't think that's... I think that's just how people think. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a plenty of women I'm still stringing along. And she... <laughs> and she probably thinks she's better than Lindsay, too. Oh, I mean, she is, though. Yeah. I mean, she, she is. Yeah. She doesn't fucking listen to the wallflowers or whatever. <laughs> Michelle Branch. Michelle, I just made it. I don't remember what. Matchbox 20. Yeah. Then Rory also sees a picture of Kurt from the funeral. We never see this, but apparently he drops the casket on himself at some point. And then his pants split. And then we get very funny line very quickly from Lorelai where she says, You know, I hope Kirk never takes too close a look at his life. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. The last scene of the episode is on a bus. Rory is taking a later bus than usual because her first period class got canceled. Is this a thing that happened in high school ever to anyone? No, this is a college thing. You would have like a a sub. Yeah, you don't just get to miss school. And like teachers aren't like, hey, I'm going to be out that Monday, no replacements. (laughs) Like, No. Can't Max fill in? He's not doing anything. You have to go to high school. Yeah. Yeah, Max should absolutely be filling in. So anyway, that makes no sense. Hey, if your school canceled a period, let us know so we know that you're an idiot because you missed that. You read the email wrong. (laughs) Well, anyway, on the bus, she sees Jess, who's sitting in the back wearing like a biker jacket. She walks back there, sits next to him, and they start talking, and it is awkward as fuck, man. It's got, like, big, like, graduate movie vibes. Thank you. We didn't talk about that, but right? Yeah, totally. It's, I feel like it's intentional. I don't know that thematically there's anything there, but, like, cinematically there is. Yeah, and that, like, awkward, we don't know what to talk about kind of feeling is there. Uh-huh. What's happening? Where do we go? Our future is doomed kind of feeling. Yeah. Jess admits to her now that he couldn't get tickets to prom, which I felt like she knew was going to happen. I don't know. Well, she's obviously disappointed. He doesn't tell her why, though. Yeah, I know. You think he would. It just seems so flippant. Maybe that's why it's graduate, because he is not a graduate. (laughs) It's like a reverse graduate. Uh, She gets off at a stop. Before she gets off, she says, you'll call me? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll call you. And then she gets off, and then he reveals that he's got a bag, a huge bag, sitting next to him with all his stuff in it. So he's clearly leaving Stars Hollow. And this made me so mad. Yeah? Like, how fucking shitty is it that he was leaving town and number one at this point hasn't told rory that they're not going to prom rory sits next to him doesn't tell her that he's moving away doesn't tell her that they're broken up probably there is admittedly more show and i don't exactly remember everything because i haven't seen the later seasons as much but i don't get why people are team jess yeah again i think jess is a character that we know enough about that i can see a redemption arc like he's a troubled guy And I feel like some of his actions are justifiable or, rather than justifiable, understandable. But this is just like, no, this is all really bad. And I do remember some stuff that happens to Jess. So if you're yelling at me for being Team Jess, like, I'm aware of future Jess episodes, moments, seasons, everything. But if you're just basing it off of what we've seen so far, I don't know why we root for them. Anyone who's watching season three Gilmore Girls for the first time right now and is Team Jess is... is Wrong. He's a cute boy. They got chemistry for you sure. You could be a cute boy. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. But it's he doesn't seem like a good. He makes her upset. They've barely been happy. How can you break up with someone without telling them? He's like ghosting her. So I did give Brian a slight spoiler as to yes. what the next episode is because I am aware 
that Angel is, and sorry if you don't know what Angel's about, but it's not that big of a spoiler. Angel is set in L.A. Angel leaves Sunnydale and goes to L.A. And the next episode of Gilmore Girls, also slight spoiler, but it's pretty clear from the end of this episode and the beginning of the next one, that Jess in the next episode goes to L.A. to visit his dad. Angel's also visiting his dad. Is he? No. (laughs) And this is part of the reason I spoiled it for Brian. This is like a well-known Gilmore Girls thing, but they were trying to give Jess a spinoff of him living in L.A. with his dad. Doesn't work. That's not the future of Gilmore Girls, Brian. But it's weird that they both are leaving to go to L.A. and they both have spinoffs. And like are breaking up reluctantly. Yeah, it's totally crazy. It's weird. It's a weird similarity. Weird coincidences. So, Stacey, do you think this is a good one? Yeah. Yeah. I thought the the scenes with like Lorelai and Suki sort of desperately trying to ask for the in maybe weren't that funny. Those parts of the episode were just totally forgettable and not funny. But I feel like the rest was really strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like all the stuff with Rory was very interesting, like character building stuff for like how she's dealing with these two men she's been trapped between for like a year and a half now. And the stuff with Luke and Jess is always pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And that finally like came to a head. Yeah, I, I enjoyed myself and it was pretty funny. Maybe not the funniest episode ever, but I liked it. It's a good one. You liked it? Yeah, I did. It has some very funny lines in it. And I don't want to say it's romantic because that's not what it is. But that scene where Rory like keeps going to the door. And I, I don't know. I just I really that really kind of struck a note for me. Oh, and the Lane and Dave stuff. The Lane and Dave stuff was great. And I thought Alexis Bledel like acted her ass off in this episode. Yeah, her ass is gone. I, I, <laughs> what I mean by that is like there's scenes like... You see this in Buffy a lot where it's like a very emotional, over-the-top scene. And like Sarah Michelle Gellar does a very good job of acting it out. But I feel like this was Roar being upset, but it wasn't quite as like, oh my god, like my heart is broken on the floor. But it was still like good acting. Mm -hmm. It was just a little more subtle than that, but that's because that's what it would be. People criticize her acting a lot. And there will be moments that you'll see where she maybe doesn't do a great job. Sure. But I, I think she's pretty good in this for the most part. I, I enjoy her portrayal. I can't speak to those moments, but I can say that I think she does this episode very well. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're going to discuss it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile on Charmed, Season 3, Episode 20, Exit Strategy... Phoebe is worried when her love Cole stays undercover in a demon brotherhood, but the danger turns dire when Cole's old mentor plots to bring out his evil side and turn massive powers against the Charmed Ones. So I'm pretty sure last time yeah. Cole was like trying to get with Phoebe. Looks like we were right. But it seems like they're like in love now. Yeah, you know, love can happen really quickly, especially on television. Okay, but Cole's old mentor, which would be the old man from that Slayer Fest Buffy episode? Yeah. Because he was like in charge of Cole and yeah, his twin kill. So he's trying to keep Cole from being all soft and in love. Yeah. What are these massive powers? Uh, it's I'm guessing more big German guys. Yeah. Yeah. More sets of twins. Mm-hmm. There's like a twin convention of beefy Germans. So there's these giant German men. Yeah. Twin men. Massive twin German men. Groups of them. Yeah. Are going to beat up these yeah. women? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a little dark episode. A little. But then Cole decides that, you know, he likes Phoebe too much. She's his love. So he leads them into like some dance choreography and they get YouTube famous. Okay. Cole. Uh-huh. Leads. Yep. This group of twin German beefy, beefy men, men uh-huh. who have been sent by his former mentor uh-huh. to bring out his evil side. Right. He leads them in choreography. Right. And they get YouTube famous. Yeah. Uh-huh. I just need to check something real quick. So this episode aired in 2001. I do not believe YouTube was out yet. 
Maybe they get famous on like E-Bombs World or whatever there was. So YouTube's not out yet. No. So yeah, E-Bombs World. They were one of the big things on E-Bombs World. I don't feel like looking up when that came out. I just know YouTube was like 2005 or so. And it was hard to post videos back then. Yeah. You had to have a camera. But these guys are all high tech, beefy German twin dudes. Mm -hmm. So they do and then they go on as like a traveling dance crew. And Cole's free to be with Phoebe. Yeah, he might decide to go with the dance crew at some point because they really want him and he's sort of like the heart of the whole group but he says he's going to stay with Phoebe for now. I just feel like we can't super trust Cole ever. Right. He's too beefy. <laughs> you can't trust a beefy man. Not a beefy man. Not a real beefy burly man. This has been Meanwhile on Charmed. So next we watched Buffy. Stacy, please tell us all about the prom. So in the year 2011 or 12, Brian and I did an improv show at my high school prom. Oh, yeah. It wasn't my high school prom. Was it your old high school? Yes, I was well out of high school. But we were on an improv team together, and we did shows at various places, and I managed to score us at my alma mater's May banquet, which is what we called prom, as the entertainment. So I went to a Christian school, so we did the whole evening at the school where, like, dinner, entertainment, dancing was sex. All at the school, so we, there was no time for sex. And, uh, yeah, we, d- we did a full-ass improv show for my high school. They loved it, too, if I remember right. Yeah, we made fun of Mr. Fensky, the band director. See, I had inside information, so I knew what would get them. All you had to do is be like, and then this tall guy, like, he is so tall. <laughs> so tall. I know what the kid's like. I went to six proms, if you count that one. Whoa. You could go to prom every year at my school, because it wasn't that big of a school, so uh-huh. I went. I'm All four years. Four. Uh-huh. And then I was dating a guy. Wait, what? Who was a senior in high school when I was a freshman in college. What? So I went to his oh, senior prom. What? I love prom. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, listen, I'm locking a dude in. I'm going to prom two more times. Yeah, I was so out of love with him at this point. But and then I, you're like, you got like a younger brother. <laughs> um, you were asking about Buffy, the episode prom? Yes, I wasn't talking about your personal prom. Okay, so the prom episode of Buffy is about the Sunnydale High prom and a little bit of monsters. Yeah, very small amount of monsters. That's kind of it, in a nutshell. And Angel's there. So it opens on a beautiful bassoon solo. Angel's watching Buffy sleep in his bed. Her hair has gotten just crazy on the side of her head where she is not sleeping. But I'm like, how did it get messy? You're sleeping on the other side. (laughs) She wants to go fix it, but Angel points out that he doesn't have any mirrors. And then Buffy just goes on and on about how this place doesn't have any mirrors or natural light and it's just not hospitable for girls. Like, yeah, (laughs) why would it have those things? This is the man you want to be with. She basically wants to move in with him, though. Like, she wants a drawer, because that's what couples do. No, high school couples do not have drawers. High school couples make out in cars and in the woods because they can't do it at their parents' house. Yeah, or at church (laughs) lock-ins. Yes, parking lots, anywhere, but their boyfriend's house. Also, like, she's, like, laying on his chest, like, this is nice. I'm like, no, it's nighttime for you, so you're tired. He's wide awake with a raging erection right now. (laughs) (laughs) Like, give the guy a break. We already set up that being around you turns him on and drives him wild. Wild. You wondered if, if hand jobs are pure happiness? Probably not, right? There's no way he's making it through these many nights. <laughs> Is he getting hand jobs? I mean, she's great at staking. She might be super good at hand jobs. Yeah, she's got the right. She's got the stamina. Grip. I think most men will agree a hand job is never pure happiness. It's penis, but it's not happiness. <laughs> Like, high school couples don't just stay over at their boyfriend's house. Like, is her mom cool with her just not coming home? 
And then Buffy's like, well, maybe I could stay over after we go to the prom. And Angel's finally like, oh, my God, with this bitch. When is the shit going to end? <laughs> I definitely got the vibe. He was like, prom? Did I agree to that at some point? If I did, I did not mean to. Angel's all like, I couldn't get prom tickets. <laughs> yeah, just making up. I didn't graduate. Uh, he's like, maybe you should go. And she's like, why? It must be hours before sunrise. And then just like whips open his curtains without even taking a little peeksie to see if the sun is out. And he's like, get the fuck out of here now. Prom is off. Yeah, he has to like hide his head because like the light is directly on it. We need to talk about the placement of his bed. What is this curtain? Why is there a floor to ceiling curtain in his bedroom? Like forget the sunlight aspects of it. But like people are trying to kill you sometimes. Why not have something that locks? on your opening. Yeah, every other date someone has burst into this room to kill you. I guess vampires need to be invited in. Do, do other demons? No. He's not like mad, but... He- but no, we need to talk about it. He's got a curtain that anyone can open that if they do during the day will kill him in front of where he sleeps during the day. That's insane. Someone could open it from the outside. That's what I'm saying. Ugh. Some kids could be like, hey, what's in here? Dead angel. I'm definitely exaggerating how upset he is with her about the moving in and the prom and all that, but like he does seem a little distant. At school, Anya approaches Xander, and he responds with just so much exposition to remind us who she is. (laughs) Oh, hey, Anya, the girl from those other two episodes, a demon who grants wishes but is trapped in the body of a human and doesn't have her powers right now? Remind me specifically how your powers work again, and then she does. (laughs) It's actually pretty funny, and I think it's done as well as it could be, but, like, I see what you're doing, show. Yeah. As writers, I think we just, like, notice that stuff so much more now, especially when you binge a show, too. Yeah, yeah, because we obviously remember who she is, but she wasn't in, like, that many episodes ago. It's not like she's from season two. Right. She's reluctantly talking to Xander because she needs a date for the prom. And I'm like, why? (laughs) You do not need to go to prom. It's not a requirement to graduate. And as I've said before, why are you even coming to high school? But she kind of justifies it. She says when she lost her power, she got stuck in this persona and has feelings and they're making her really want to go to prom, I guess. And she says she wants to go with him because he's not as obnoxious as the other alpha males around here. But I don't know. He's pretty obnoxious. Also, she kind of hates him. And he's the reason she took on this persona in the first place because he cheated on Cordelia. Right. So I, I don't know. I feel like go with Jonathan then or something. It seems to me that Xander sort of has, like, a pheromone that attracts, like, demons, though. Do you think that's true? I mean, let's just go over the history. Mantis girl. Yeah. Mummy girl. Mm -hmm. Vampire willow. Cordelia's basically a demon. (laughs) Kendra? Yeah, you know what? Yes, Kendra. Faith? So slayers and demons, just all women, love Xander. Is that true? That car girl liked him. I don't have anything to say. You have something to say, but... I'll talk about it later. Just going to put a pin in it. Like We got to give the guy something. Maybe it's he's attracts all women. I, that's not what I said. Okay. But he agrees to go with her because it was either that or his hand, which he does a little puppet show with. That's a joke I could have done with like 95% less of. Yeah, I know. I was like, okay, okay, we get it. Okay, you, you masturbate with that hand and you're making it talk. I like can't imagine doing this joke in mixed company at that age. It's <laughs> <laughs> really stupid. But Bubby's got a pretty funny joke about how they've all got dates, even though some of them are demons. Angel's at home. He finds one of Buffy's notebooks that she left with a little Buffy Angel Forever doodle on it. God, he's so pissed. <laughs> it's almost like she, he sees this doodle and, like, realizes he's dating a child. Yeah, he's like, God, what am I doing? See it now. And then there's a knock at the door. So he does have a door. Why not install a few more of those, buddy? <laughs> 
You're doing nothing when you're here. Yeah, he's like, I just am home so much during the day. I just don't get around to all the chores I need. I guess he can't install a door during the day. He could during the night, yes. but I guess he's out. Yeah, it's complicated. It's complicated. All this wood he would use to make a door is making fires with. So. And stakes. Mm-hmm. But at the door is Joyce. Apparently, she's not mad that Buffy spent the night, but she's just there to tell Angel what he's already been thinking. That he's an old man and that Buffy's a young girl with stupid hopes and dreams and that she stupidly thinks that they'll end up happily ever after just like all teen girls. And Joyce is just basically telling him he's got to do the responsible thing and dump her because it just doesn't make sense for them to be together. I don't know, like, why is Joyce suddenly realizing this? Or why is Angel? Like, I've been saying this since day one and no one seemed to care. Yeah. All her, yeah. Also, what do you know about relationships, Joyce? You dated a robot. And whatever the fuck Buffy's dad's name is. Like, in in most situations, this is kind of fucked up. Like, a mother-in-law showing up and being like, please break up with my daughter and, like, not telling Buffy about this? Yeah. Like, maybe she should do that first. It's not like, man, Angel, I just tried talking to Buffy and she won't see reason. And then she goes to Angel. Right. I mean, I don't know who else. Maybe, like, if Giles had had this conversation with him, I'd buy it more. But then it kind of feels like Giles is manipulating her and we like Giles more than Joyce. Yeah, I, I think we're, I don't know. It's like, on the one hand, it's like, I feel like what Joyce is doing is shitty. But on the other hand, it's like, well, you're not wrong, though, Joyce. <laughs> like, yeah, the thing is, though, Angel's kind of realized it on his own. So I don't know that we needed to hear it from Joyce. Yeah. Giles is very annoyed that everyone wants to talk more about prom than the Ascension. But the episode, and everyone agrees, we're not going to do that this episode. <laughs> this is not about that. Forget the Ascension. They've basically learned that the Ascension means the mayor will be taking on a form of an immortal demon, but they don't know which demon. That's about all we get of that this episode. No faith, no mare. It's a little weird considering there's only two episodes left. Apparently Wesley is chaperoning with Giles. No. (laughs) You're a random man (laughs) that has nothing to do with this school. Chaperoning is for teachers and parents. Random dudes cannot just sign up to watch teenage girls in pretty dresses. Yeah, what? No, at this point he had to sign up. Yeah. Someone had to be like, and who are you? I mean, Giles seems surprised, so whatever. He's there to creep on Cordelia, who I guess is also 18. Whatever. And then we get this very quick but intense scene of a demon in a cage in some dumpy house. Yeah. More on that later. Then, Buffy and Angel are getting married real quick. NBD. (laughs) Clearly this is someone's dream. By the way, this wedding dress is the most conservative thing Buffy's ever worn. (laughs) They're walking out of the church, just into the sunlight, super confirming it's a dream. But Angel's not the one who gets burnt by the sun. It's Buffy. It's Angel's dream. So I'm guessing this is symbolizing that she's going to die before him. Or being with him is going to get her killed. Yeah. Later, Buffy and Angel are hunting a demon in the sewer. And Buffy's just still going on and on about the prom. And Angel's just like over it. So he dumps her ass right there in the sewer. They say don't break up over text, but is the sewer much better? Come on, Angel. (laughs) To be fair, he says not here. But she like makes him say what's on his mind. Yeah. And he says them being together is unfair to her. The mayor was right. She deserves to have someone who's not a demon. Someone she can have sex with. Someone who can take her into the light. Code for sex. (laughs) And she's like, I don't care about any of that. And he's like, no, you will. You'll want a normal life. I mean, he's right. She thinks she knows, but she doesn't. She has no idea what she's going to want. As a woman that's no longer 18, I could guarantee 18-year-old Stacy didn't know what the fuck she wanted. You know who could have used a little Joyce talk? Dean and Lindsay. Yeah. Joyce Joyce should have shown up then and been like, you know what, guys? No. You're not ready. You don't know what you want yet. Lindsay's a young woman. All she's thinking about is you, Dean, in the future. Yeah, I dated a guy for like three years, high school, into college. This is the the prom, double prom. Yeah. 
I'm very glad we're not married. But I mean, after three years, you start thinking about that kind of thing, obviously. And I think our parents were like surprised when we broke up. But I had dated a few other guys before him, but Mm -hmm. he hadn't. And I often like thought about that. Like if we're together forever, is he going to regret not being with anyone else? Right. So I, I can't imagine Angel not having those thoughts is my point. And Buffy is, like, too naive to have those thoughts that she's not going to regret it. Because I also thought I was going to marry the guy I barely spoke to that I dated freshman year. Mm-hmm. Buffy hates all of this. She's like, no, I want my life to be with you. And he says, I don't. Which I think is a lie. I think he's just saying that because it's what he's got to say to end this yeah. conversation. I think that's happened to me, too. Or a guy just, like, started acting mean because he didn't really super want to break up with me, but, like, did for whatever reason. Like, he wanted you to break up with him? No, I think we were, like, breaking up, and I was, like, trying to make that not happen. Right, right. And he just, like, started saying stuff that maybe wasn't true. Right. It just seemed wrong. So I was like, no, this is not how you felt, like, a day ago. You're just, like, saying stuff to make me hate you. Right. I'm over it. Are you? Yeah. Miss, what are you doodling over there? Stacy and what? Just various names of boys forever. Then he tells her after they finish everything with the mayor, if they survive, he's going to go. He doesn't know where yet, but I do. It's L.A. <laughs> By the way, I like her outfit in the scene. It's like a little purple fuzzy sweater. Oh, I thought that too, actually. I thought she looked good in the scene. She's very cute. Her I don't hair know. Was nice too. Yeah, it was very cute. I don't know if it was just like a very of the time outfit, like the style of it, but yeah. something about it. I was like, I like that. It's funny we both thought that, but didn't say it. Mm-hmm. So then Buffy's telling Willow about this. She's kind of realizing the angel's right. And Willow's like, yeah, he probably is. And then Buffy just breaks down. Like, she's already so stressed about the ascension, and now she's got to deal with this. Now, Buffy did kind of demand that Angel spill it when he was acting standoffish, but, like, maybe he should have waited till after the ascension. <laughs> There's never a good time to break up with someone. You never break up with a girl before the ascension. <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, come on. Like, it's always Christmas or Valentine's Day or, like, a wedding or somebody's birthday, but... Maybe in this very life or death situation, he could have, like, played it cool for a couple weeks. No, it's one of those things where it's like, if you play it cool, then for the rest of your both lives, like, you're in her ascension photos, and every time she sees that, she'll remember how he screwed up her ascension, you know? (laughs) Yeah, so he was right. Can you just lay down, bud? Our cat has just crawled into a box filled with bags under the microphone, so you might hear some crinkles. Another very dramatic cut to the cage demon! (laughs) The house has like a very low budget 90s horror movie vibe to it, I feel like. What is this house? Is it just abandoned? We find out it's like a teen boy running this house. Yeah. Did he rent it? To be fair, there's probably a lot of empty houses where people died in this town. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. This time the demon escapes, though. So Xander goes to visit Cordelia at the store where we now know she works, which Xander finds out in the scene. Her daddy has been cheating on his taxes for like 12 years, so they don't have any money anymore. So she's working just to be able to buy a prom dress. Xander's processing all this, and then the rogue demon bursts into the store, very loud, growling. Glass shatters everywhere. There's a guy trying on a tux who does not notice. Dude, he, like, doesn't react to any of it. <laughs> Until the demon is, like, pretty much on top of him, and I think does kill him. He, he like, did not notice it coming in. Now you Watch the scene. He just, like, the demon breaks through the glass. He's makes still- a huge deal, and, like, dude is, just, like, unfazed. He's, like, checking himself out in the mirror still in his tux. It attacks him hard and then just kind of leaves. They've got surveillance footage of this, which they're watching with their friends in the library. Wesley and Giles recognize this beast as a hellhound, which is a brain-eating foot soldier that's, like, trained to kill. Wesley's like, so what were you doing with Cordelia, Xander? And then he covers for her. He doesn't tell people that she's working there. 
But in the footage, they notice there's a guy from their school, Tucker Wells, who's, what is he doing even? He's got like a remote control. I don't get that, having seen the whole episode. I'm guessing you can remote control them, I guess. But he's like also brainwashed them with VHS tapes, so I don't get, they're not robots. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that it's ever really explained. The monster part of this episode barely matters. Yeah. Don't think about it. So Willow hacks this guy's email account and finds out that he's planning to pull a whole hellhound attack on prom. Cordelia notices, and I hate this, every time Cordelia's someone that like figures out a key part of the puzzle, it just seems so unnatural and like forced. She's all like, yeah, that demon dog has great taste. Look, it only attacked the guy wearing the suit. And they're like, okay, that's not important. She's like, I'm just saying, everybody, it seems important to me. Yeah. I was like, no one would have noticed that. So these things are like trained to attack people in nice clothes, I guess. Another huge conclusion jump, which is right, but they do not have enough evidence for. Also, they're remote controlled, so the guy can make them attack anything? Yeah, I I don't know. He doesn't remote control them later when they do attack the, I don't know. Maybe he was just playing with a remote control car separately. (laughs) Buffy's pretty checked out of this meeting, but once she realizes that prom is under attack, she like springs into action. She's like, no, prom's happening. Here's what we're going to do. She sends everyone on various errands. She goes to visit the slaughterhouse to see if Tucker's been there shopping for brains to feed his demon. I love this butcher dude who's just like, yeah, fuck a weirdo who's coming here all the time looking for brains. No big deal. I don't ask questions. (laughs) Give her his address? Okay, dude. Yeah, he just gives away a client's address? It's insane. Is it a client? Like, what is this back alley butcher shop? Angel's there getting a little takeout blood drop soup. (laughs) (laughs) Two Chinese food court containers of blood. Clearly, no one asks questions of him either. That's the weird thing for a guy to do regularly. Come get a bunch of animal blood. Also, I just like hate his outfit. He's worn this before. It's like wife beater chain around his neck and then like a coat. He's so cool, baby. I just feel like a vampire from like 250 years ago wouldn't wear that. I don't know. He's got to blend in. Who else in the show ever has worn that? Spike dresses similarly. So he's blending in with other vampires? Yeah. They have an awkward conversation, a la Jess and Rory in the back of the bus. She kind of tells him about the prom demon problem and that she'll be going to prom alone to mostly play defense against the monster. And he offers to help, but she's like, nah. Buffy says to Angel something about someone going all carry at prom. But it's like, would Angel have any clue what you're talking about? He probably doesn't know what she's talking about most of the time. Yeah, I mean, because like Carrie is not even a topical reference at that time. No, probably not. It's an older book, not super old, but like an older book, older movie. And Angel probably wasn't seeing movies that much. We know that he doesn't know what movies to go to. Maybe he's got a DVD player, like Emily. He, he reads poetry next to a fire. That's what he doesn't read Stephen King. Too spooky. <laughs> it's too spooky for Angel. I just, I'm sorry, I just think that's a hilarious thing that we never think about, is that Angel's constantly hearing pop culture references that he does not understand. Like Captain America. Yeah. Cordelia's leaving work. Her co-worker's like, oh, don't forget your dress, because it's prom night. And she's like, oh, no, I, I didn't finish paying for it. I can't take it. And she's like, well, someone did. It was Xander. Who else would it be? Buffy's friends are in the library. They still haven't really solved the demon problem, but Buffy insists that they go get ready for prom because she's going to handle this alone. Giles can tell something's up, so they have a little H to H. That's a heart to heart. Oh. 
And she tells him about Angel leaving, and he offers to take her out for ice cream. That's so sweet, don't you think? Yeah, that's really nice. He's all like, I understand that these sort of things call for ice cream. Yeah, I guess he doesn't offer to take her out for ice cream. He just acknowledges he understands what sadness is, and then he knows on paper what remedies sadness. I think it's pretty clear he's suggesting he could take her out for ice cream. Yes, but he still wouldn't take her that ice show. <laughs> She's somehow forgiven him for poisoning her and having sex with her mom. But yeah, they're doing great. She's like, yeah, love that idea, but first got to kill these demons. Prom is on. It is so 99 in there. Anya and Xander are just kind of taking a stroll around the dance floor while she regales him with her gruesome demon tales of the past. Right. It's kind of reminiscent of when that other girl was just like going on about cars. Yeah, exactly. Cordelia shows up very sexy. Wesley's very aware. Oh, Wesley's such a creep in this episode. Every episode. But this one is like, does no one think this is weird? <laughs> no, no one notices. Did Cordelia not come with a date though? Like I know she's crushing on Wesley right now, but you'd think she would like get a cover up date. That's a good question. I think she is trying to get Wesley, but yeah. It, it just seems like she wouldn't dare go to prom without a date. And is there no prom queen? There was like a whole fight about being homecoming queen. Right. You think she'd be going hard at prom queen? too she subtly thanks xander for the dress she knows it was him and giles kind of looks at the door clearly wondering if buffy's gonna make it buffy has gone to tucker's house she sees all these like high school horror movies including carrie that he's been brainwashing the monsters with and she's like why would you do this and he's like i have my reasons and then we see a flashback to him asking a girl to prom and she says no just one rejection. Back to present. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think you're going to see like a whole montage of girls being mean to him. Yeah. Just one girl kind of nicely saying no makes him collect a bunch of demons and brainwash <laughs> them to ruin prom for everyone. You know, rejection is really hard for men. <laughs> you just don't get it. Boo. And then Buffy realized there are in fact three demons and they're already on the way to the dance. After a very short chase, she kills them all very easily, probably because they're clearly men in suits running on their hands, and that's just hard to keep up. <laughs> yeah, these, these suits are just clearly dudes crawling. You can, like, see, like, the fabric, like, bunching up in their joints. <laughs> God, I do not envy these actors. <laughs> they're probably, like, skinned knees. And then, uh, Buffy goes to prom. She had her dress, like, folded up in a duffel bag. I don't know that it would be okay. It's not, like, the kind of fabric that can do that. Maybe Willow did a spell? Yeah. But Giles smiles when she comes in. Nice. I, I was like, are, is she going to the prom with Giles? Are they going to dance? Is this, like, a sweet uh, daddy-daughter dance? What? What? Nothing. Does she go to another prom with Giles? No. <laughs> <laughs> Next year, when it's still prom, she comes back like I did? Yeah. Yeah. She keeps going back to, with Giles. In this episode, we establish it's totally fine for an old English man to go to prom with whoever they want. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Buffy, I'm, uh, I'm going to prom again this year. I'm just wondering if you would like to come to prom with me. I know you're busy with your college boyfriend. And I love you. Like a dad. It's not weird. Like Wesley. That's my Giles. It's a great Giles. Everyone's having a great time. They're giving out the superlative awards. This is not something we did at my very eventful prom. Did, did you? You know, I, I don't remember. I don't, I don't think, think so. I don't think we ever presented it at all. It just like was in the yearbook. I barely remember prom. I think we just went to like go because you're supposed to. And then I don't think we stayed very long. I loved prom. It was a whole thing. But like I said, ours was a kind of a big event. I also like, I won't go into this too much, but like I moved halfway through my junior year. So like, I don't know. It was like weird for me. How many proms did you go to? Just one? Yeah. Was it just senior prom at uh -huh. your school? But Jonathan, on behalf of the prom committee, presents a special speech and award to Buffy. Is it weird that Jonathan is, like, going to school in prom still? Yeah. 
right? Like, I like Jonathan, but, like, he brought a gun to school, like, a week ago. Yeah, you wouldn't <laughs> think they would, like, vote him to be the one that gives a speech on safety. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So basically the speech is like admitting that everyone at school knows that this is a weird place. Like weird stuff happens at the school. And then a bunch of kids shout out random stuff like zombies, hyena people. And someone says, Snyder. Yeah. And then they acknowledge that Buffy, though, was always there to protect them. And that the class of 99 has the lowest mortality of any class in Sunnydale history. I wonder how many of them did die, though, because it's like more than five. Yeah. And then they give her this little umbrella that says Class Protector Award. She's so happy, and Giles is so proud. And it's it's nice, because, like, her efforts didn't go unnoticed. Like, when she was trying to be homecoming queen, she's like, I just want something that people, like, remember. Yeah, I'm saving the world, but, like, no one knows. But they do know. Yeah. So, like, the town, or at least the school, understands that there is supernatural stuff, I guess. So then it's like, why do people stay in this town? Right. Why are there so many students in the school? <laughs> There's no redeeming qualities to it. Yeah, it's weird, because, like, in the movie, and book, specifically, it... There's like this um, suggestion that the the adults are sort of affected by this supernatural force in the town that makes them overlook and like forget about stuff. And that's sort of the justification for why bad things can happen in this town and the people don't move away or like riot about it. Mm-hmm. But in Buffy, they just are like, no, every, just people just don't freak out about it. Yeah. Except for Joyce, who will randomly have a panic attack that some random person died. Right. A little later, Wesley's like, so Giles, would it be weird if I asked Cordelia to dance? And Giles is like, yeah. (laughs) But he does tell him to go for it. He says specifically that she's 18 and that he has the maturity of a blueberry scone. Another scone reference. Not a soy scone, which is very mature. (laughs) Blueberry is the least mature of the scones. Everyone knows that. But do you think he meant it's fine because she's 18 or like she's 18, you idiot. Why are you into a girl? You know, I really don't know. On the one hand, it works both ways, right? Like, And on the other hand, it works neither way. <laughs> yeah, I guess that does make sense. <laughs> right? Like, I, I don't, I truly, when I watched it the first time, I was like, he's giving him shit for liking a child. But on the other hand, it works both ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but on the other hand, it's, it's like, well, you're both at the same maturity level. Yeah. So like, she's 18, do whatever you want. I'm not your parent. It's weird, but like, I can't stop you. I, I don't know. I truly don't know. So he goes and dances with her, and no one questions it. Buffy's happy. She's got her little umbrella. Giles comes over, says some more sweet stuff, but something's missing. And the something shows up. Angel's there in a tux. He came. Giles takes her little umbrella. Buffy goes to dance with Angel. It's kind of weird, because Giles seems to notice Angel while he's talking to Buffy. Like, he kind of looks up. But he also abruptly left the conversation with Wesley, because it seemed like he noticed something. So I wonder if that's just a mistake, where they have him, like, recognize Angel twice? Or if he noticed Angel and then got up to go talk to Buffy and, like, hold her umbrella because he knew Angel would approach her? I don't know. But there's also, like, a ton of time in between the two notices. I thought he noticed Buffy was by herself and he was going over to talk to her. That's right. what I thought. But he got up, like, so abruptly. Like, oh, my God, I need to go deal with that right now. Oh, uh, yeah, well, maybe he didn't want to be around Wesley. Yeah, that could be it, too. Angel's basically like, don't read too much into this. That ass dump and I did in the sewer still stands. But for now, <laughs> we dance. And it's nice. It's sad. They love each other, but they can't be together. Jonathan's got a tall date. Everyone's happy. This episode is very soft on the demon drama. Yeah. Clearly a big calm before the storm. Oh, yeah. I was a little disappointed we didn't have any mayor anything. Yeah, you kind of thought there would be. Yeah, I mean, the next two episodes obviously will, for sure. But, uh, yeah, I wanted more mayor stuff. 
You, I feel like, had thoughts about the moon? Yeah, it's confusing because they show the moon is full at one part of the episode. And they don't acknowledge that Oz is having his time. Even though they're talking about bringing demons to from and they're talking about, like, dog demons, it's just weird to not mention Oz's werewolfness happening at that time. Right. And then also, it's like a day or so later, the moon has like is in a very different phase. And I'm yeah. like, what is happening right now? Why, why would you have two establishing shots with different moons? It's at like 75% within like a day or two. Yeah. And also, why are we not addressing the Oz thing? I feel like you would at least mention it. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. Anyway, I thought that was a weird choice. Probably an editing mistake, really. Or the moon just wouldn't cooperate. You know how moons are. They say you don't want to work with animals, kids, or moons. <laughs> so Brian, was this a good one? Um, yeah, I thought it was a good one. I don't think it was like the best Buffy episode, but I don't think it was really a letdown. I think it had some fun emotional stuff and, and did some work that needed to get done, like ending Angel and Buffy's relationship as we know it. Yeah. It had some funny lines. Nothing that really blew me out of the water funny. I do think it was a good one, though. I agree. Uh, it was a little disappointing that there was like no monster thing. Yeah. I mean, that there was, but it did not matter. But there was some really good moments. That moment where Buffy gets her acknowledgement from the class. That's really good. Yeah, that was very nice. Angel dancing with her is, is really good. But up until that, there wasn't anything that like emotionally striking. I guess their breakup. Yeah, yeah. But it does kind of feel like sudden. I don't know. The mayor brought it up too, but maybe they had the mayor bring it up just so that like, it was brought up. They've been struggling with it all season, honestly. I feel like they have. Like, they go see that movie, and he's like, that sexy movie, and she's like, oh, I hate to, mm-hmm. that you got, and he's like, well, you turn me on all the time. So I feel like they have been alluding to it for a while. Right. Anyway, which do you think is better? I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it. Do you know? No, I don't. I would almost say it's a tie. Ugh, we have to figure this out, Brian. I think Gilmore had funnier lines, in, if we're going to just count them all up. Yeah. Gilmore had funnier lines. And it had some sweet moments. I feel like Buffy had more, like, actual heartstring emotional moments. Yeah. Specifically, getting the award, Angel showing up, Giles, like, caring for Buffy. So it's like, oh, we're not comparing just the comedy. We're comparing, you know, the emotion, too. So I'm torn. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I would almost just say it's a tie. I don't Can I do that? I guess we could say it's a tie. I, that's what, I mean, because I really can't decide on one being better than the other. We've made the rule that we can't do that, but like, if we both agree it's a tie. Well, I mean. We'll just have to have an asterisk forever if we say there was a tie. That's what we're doing. It's a tie, guys. It's our podcast. And it's the last podcast, so. <laughs> <laughs> so real quick, these episodes had so many similarities. Yeah. We had girls desperately wanting to go to prom and yep. the guy not super wanting to go. Mm-hmm. We had churches in yeah. both. We had breakups. Was there a church in Buffy? Yeah, they got married. Oh, that's right. That's right. We have boyfriends going to LA for spinoffs. We got scones. We have... Moms not approving of relationships. Yeah, and like the mom having a frank conversation with the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Crazy stuff. If you guys want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 3, Episode 21, Graduation Day, Part 1. As well as Gilmore Girls Season 3, Episode 21, Here Comes the Sun. Actually, super weird, after we finished watching both shows, Brian was in a different room humming Here Comes the Sun, the song. I don't know why. Are you sure you didn't, like, see the next episode? I didn't see the next episode. I mean, maybe subconsciously I did. Because Brian doesn't, like, look at the list of episodes. He had no idea that that was the name of the next episode. I was like, what are you doing? It's either a very weird coincidence or, like, subconsciously I saw it and, like, didn't consciously register it. Yeah. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Did you ever have a first period and your high school canceled and you knew beforehand? Did you get your first period in high school? (laughs) 
Did your mom ever have a secret clandestine conversation with your boyfriend? When did your superlatives get announced? What were your superlatives? What was your prom like? How many proms did you go to? Have you ever been rejected? What does Goodnight Gracie mean? Let us know. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post all kinds of interactive behind-the-scenes content. If you're enjoying our podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love hearing from you, and it really helps us get our podcast discovered by even more Buffy and Gilmore fans. And if you leave a review, we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast, like we did on this one. For even more comedy content not related to the podcast, follow us at Brian and Stacy. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an E-Y. That's right. We also make comedy sketches, play board games, and review movies in a similar style to our podcast. For all that and more, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If social media is not your thing, you can send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. You want to go eat some of that beef goo we got cooking? Oh yeah, I want that beef goo. Been a lot of questions about the goo. There's been one question about the goo. <laughs> That's a lot. We usually have zero questions about the goo. <laughs> Alright, we gotta go do something in Kyle's bedroom. See you guys. Bye! Bye!